This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and this is the Are They 18 Yet podcast, where I help parents raise independent, self-sufficient kids without sacrificing their own identity and sense of purpose. I'm here to share practical day-to-day solutions for raising kind, successful, well-adjusted human beings, and actionable advice for supporting systemic changes so we can make this world a more inclusive, accepting place now and for future generations. Hey there, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 21 of the Are They 18 Yet podcast. In this episode, I am going to share three things that you can do for your child's teacher or really, honestly, any professionals working with your child, whether it be their teachers, whether it be therapists that work with them, either at school or in a medical setting, or whether it be some type of administrator, whether it be their principal or coach that they work with, anybody that works with your child. When I sat down to just take some notes about what I was going to talk about in today's episode, I realized a couple things. Number one, the title of this episode should probably be obvious advice that a lot of people aren't following including myself, because I was looking at these things thinking, wow, as a school speech pathologist, as a person who used to work in the schools, I would have loved to get some of these things that I'm going to mention way more often than I actually did. But I realized that as a parent of a child who goes to school, who is in middle school right now, that I'm not really doing a lot of these things. I'm not really following my own advice. So I am also going to be working on doing these things more often and being more intentional about doing these things that I'm going to mention today. So the thing is, is that 
when we send our kids off to school, we always want what's best for them. And we can many times have very high expectations for the people who are providing services, who are educating our children. But it can be really easy to forget what those people who are taking care of our kids are going through. And so if we want teachers and other professionals to be able to take care of our kids, we need to also take care of them. So I'm going to share some tips that you can do, some suggestions that you can do to show some appreciation for the teachers and other professionals who are educating your kids this school year. The interesting thing about this is that the reason that I often don't do these things as often as I would like is just because I get caught up with my own life and I forget to do these types of things. So one of the things that I'm going to be doing in order to be more intentional with these tips is to actually program some reminders. So put them on my to-do list. Sometimes I know that one of my blind spots is that when I get busy, I forget to communicate and reach out to people beyond just basic things that have to get done. I sometimes forget about those things that don't seem to be immediate needs, but maybe would be nice things to do and say to other people. So one of the things that I am going to do is be more organized about that. And when we think about being organized, we need to think about executive functioning. So executive functioning skills are those skills that allow us to be organized and focused and get things done and be responsible human beings. These are the skills that we probably want to be building in our kids. If you have a child who has a hard time getting their homework assignments turned in on time, who has a hard time following through with chores and sometimes seems like they're dawdling or procrastinating, especially when you ask them to do something that's not their favorite thing to do and that maybe has multiple steps and is a little bit more difficult for them. If they're struggling with those types of things, then they might have an issue with executive functioning skills. One of the most important things that you can do in order to help your kids be organized and focused and to develop those independent executive functioning skills is to understand what they are. I mention this now because I have found that when I forget to communicate with people, sometimes really paying attention to my own executive functioning skills can help me to be better about following through with different things that I need to do. When I am better able to follow through on my own, it's easier for me to support the other people in my family in doing the same, whether it be my husband, whether it be my stepdaughter. It's a lot easier to help your kids be organized and focused if you can be organized and focused as well. So in my parent guide, I walk through what those executive functioning skills are that allow you to stay on top of things, to be organized, to get things done on time, and to self-regulate. To download that free guide and learn what those eight executive functioning skills are, all you need to do is go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide. Again, that's drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide. When you sign up for the guide, you'll want to go check your inbox, 
confirm that you want to be added to the list, and then that guide will be automatically emailed to you. And you'll also be added to my mailing list so that you'll be the first to know when doors to my parent training programs are opened and also when podcast episodes air. Again, to go and grab your copy of the parent guide where I walk through those executive functioning skills that you and your kids need to be independent, focused, and successful, all you need to do is go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide. So let's move on to the episode and talk about these tips that I would like you to remember or that I'm recommending that you remember to do this school year to really take care of the professionals who are taking care of your child or children. I'm going to go ahead and list them out and then I'll talk about them a little bit more in depth. The first thing is to thank them regularly and specifically. The second thing is to share the wins that you are making with your child and the progress that your child is making. And the third thing is to be involved. As I said before, the title of this episode should be obvious advice that a lot of people may or may not be doing on a regular basis. All of these things seem so simple, yet it can be really easy to forget to do them or maybe even not want to do them. So let me tell you what I mean by that. Let's start with my first tip for what you can do for teachers, which would be to thank them regularly and specifically. During this time that I'm recording this episode, it is 2021, so we are still in the COVID pandemic. And this time last year, a lot of people were getting ready to go back to school and it was going to be remote schooling. And there was a lot of uncertainty about whether or not kids could go back to school safely. And so with parents and school boards and teachers, there was a lot of tension because on one hand, parents were really concerned about their children's education, their children's socialization and emotional health. And on the other hand, schools and teachers were concerned about all of those things that I just mentioned, but also were concerned about their own health and safety. And there was really a lot of uncertainty about what should and shouldn't be done. I saw a lot of things being said towards teachers that I found to be unhelpful to the whole situation. So let me give you a couple examples. So a lot of school boards decided, you know what, at the beginning of of last year, which Again, August 2021, most schools are going back to in-person instruction because schools have found a way to safely go back. And I think everybody really wants to be back to normal as much as possible right now. But this time last year, we didn't really know what was going on. We weren't really sure what would be safe. Some school districts decided to be all remote while others were 100% in-person. And that generated a lot of worry and concern from a lot of people. But for some of the districts who went to all remote, I heard a lot of comments directed towards teachers that weren't necessarily accurate. So, for example, 
one thing specifically that I heard was people would say things like, well, I just went to the grocery store and I saw a bunch of teachers out in the community out grocery shopping. Well, if they can be out grocery shopping, why can't they be in school teaching our kids in person? Now, I could pick this comment apart. You know, obviously, a 30-minute grocery store trip is a lot different than being in school all day with a whole bunch of kids who sometimes might be coughing and sneezing on you and things like that. So obviously, there are some, some issues that I have with that statement. But the general theme, and it doesn't really have to do with COVID, that was just one example of something specific that came up relating to the pandemic that is a pattern that is often seen directed towards teachers, which is a lack of appreciation and understanding for the situation that they are in as they are going to school every day and figuring out how to support our kids. So really teachers in this specific situation, it was kind of a lose-lose situation. It was go back to school and have all this uncertainty about what's safe for myself, for my own health, and for the students and the community. But then there are other people who are going to be upset if we don't go back and if we do wear masks or don't wear masks. And and basically, regardless of what teachers and schools did, they were going to be criticized for something by someone. And really what they wanted to do was just go back to normal and be able to support kids. But they were really just trying to figure out the best way to do that. So yes, we had a specific situation that came up in 2020 that kind of illustrated that point, but it doesn't really have to do with the pandemic. The bottom line is that a lot of times school districts are put in a very difficult position where they have one side is telling them to do one thing and another side is telling them to do another thing. And really, no matter what they do, someone is going to be upset with them and is going to be complaining. And so they get a lot more complaints about what they're doing wrong and not a lot of support and encouragement for the things that they are doing right. And like I said, whether we are in the middle of a pandemic or whether we are doing business as usual, there is always something that comes up like this where there is animosity directed towards teachers and school personnel. Being someone who was in the position of, you know, again, I was I worked in the schools for a long time. I did experience this firsthand, but being someone who is also a parent I do understand that sometimes it can be frustrating when you feel like you have a child who is not necessarily getting access to the best education possible. I certainly felt like that during the pandemic, where I often felt like my own child was missing out on the education that she could have been getting. Now, during that time, I never at any point in time felt angry towards the school staff, but I definitely felt frustrated. With the pandemic specifically, I never blamed them. If they decided, you know what, we're going remote and we're doing things this way, I always accepted it. I was frustrated with it. I wasn't always happy with what they told me, but I was never specifically angry at them. 
And I think that that is the attitude that as parents that you want to have. And and maybe you choose to not send your kids to public school. Maybe you choose to send your kids to private school. Maybe you choose to homeschool or unschool or do something different. But the main thing is, is that if you do decide to send your kids to school, it's really important to recognize that no matter what the school districts are doing, they are getting way more complaints than they are compliments. And it goes a long way if you recognize that. And if you can be one of those people that does take the time to thank them. So when I say take the time to thank your child's teacher, therapists, and administrators or coaches regularly and specifically, what I mean is let's go beyond just those basic rote communications. It's kind of like how sometimes when somebody asks you, how are you doing today? And your rote response is, I'm doing fine, I'm doing well. But a lot of times you're really not fine. But you know that the socially acceptable answer to that question is, fine, how are you? They're not really asking, seriously, how are you doing? So the same thing goes for thanking people. Yes, when we're interacting with our child's school professionals, it's common to sign off on an email and say, thanks, bye, or hang up the phone and say, thanks for calling or thanks for the update. But when you say it like that, when it sounds like basic communication that is just normal niceties, it doesn't sound genuine. But when you take the step to really thank someone with intention and say, you know what, I wanted to recognize this specific thing that you did for my child. I really like how you handled this lesson for my child. I really like how you focused on behaviors instead of just focusing on letter grades for my child's conference. When you find those specific things that you are grateful for, and you call them out specifically and actually write a an email or send a message or mention actual things that you are thankful for, that can go a long way because teachers don't get enough of this. Therapists who work in schools don't get enough of this. School principals and other administrators do not get enough of this. All day long, every day, they're getting complaints from people. There's always at any given point in time, someone upset with someone who's working in the school district, and they are not getting a lot of people who are saying, hey, you know what? You did a good job with with that lesson, or you're doing a really good job communicating with the parents or keeping tabs on all of the students in your classroom and making sure that they're all doing well, whatever it is. It might be something really simple, but Pay attention to those things, specific things that you can do, that you can go out of your way to do to thank your teachers for. So that's the first thing. Thank them specifically and regularly. The next thing that you can do is, aside from just saying thank you, you can also share specific wins relating to your child with your child's teacher. As I've mentioned before, Teachers, therapists, principals, administrators, they get a lot of people contacting them, telling them that something is wrong 
What they don't get enough of is just positive reports. It's kind of the no news is good news kind of a thing. But the problem is, is that when there's no news, sometimes you don't even know if the good news exists. And that can be really hard. It can be really challenging when you have one of those thankless jobs. And I know as someone who has been in that position before, that sometimes it can be hard to show up to work excited when you're secretly in your head wondering, am I even making a difference in the lives of all of these kids that I'm working with? The thing is, is that anyone who's working in the school system, they're there because they care about educating kids. They want to make a difference in the lives of all the students that they're working with. And when they only get bad news all of the time, or when they get way more bad news than good news, it can get in your head. It can make you start to wonder, am I really making a difference? I know that I would always really appreciate it if I got a report about something that one of my students was doing that I was working on. And of course, communication is important here because Teachers, therapists, they do have the responsibility of communicating and letting people know, hey, I'm working on these skills and these are some things that you can be looking for at home and things like that. But it can be really easy as parents to, if things are going well, to not say anything and to notice little bits of progress in your child and not necessarily say anything to the teachers at school. So I know that as a therapist, and I know that based on working with a lot of teachers, they really appreciate it when you see progress, when you see your child starting to read more independently or starting to be more organized with their work, or maybe they are starting to sit down more easily and do their homework, or they have certain math skills that they were working on that are starting to get a little bit better. And as parents, it it can be very frustrating when you feel like, oh my gosh, all of these things are going wrong and, and my child is struggling. But if you can notice those little bits of progress, and when you do have those wins and ahas, if you remember to share them with your child's teacher and other people who might be working with your child, I know that that will be so much appreciated. And they will know that what they're doing is working and it can open up those lines of communication. And it's just really nice to get a good report and say, hey, you know what, that thing that you've been working on with my child, you know what, they're, I think they're getting better or we had a great day today. Anytime you have something like that, if you can be intentional and remember to share it with the other people who are working with your child, that will be something that will definitely make their day. So that's number two. Number one, again, was to thank those professionals specifically and regularly. And number two was to share the wins that your child is having with them. They will love it and it will definitely help them to see the impact that they are making. And the final tip is to be involved. And this sounds so obvious, but having that regular communication with the professionals that work with your child can be really powerful, even if it's just an email here and there after the parent-teacher conference, or even if it's 
only the parent-teacher conference. You'd be surprised how many parents don't show up to parent-teacher conferences. And then it goes the whole school year and the teacher or the therapist might not really have much contact with the parents. Having a good quality interaction with the professionals that work with your child can go a long way in helping them to understand what your goals are, what wins that you've had with your child, anything that is important to you. All of those things can be really important because if you don't share that with your child's teachers or therapists, then they're kind of guessing at what is or isn't important to you and your child. And you having that regular communication can be really important for all of you getting on the same page. Now, as I said before, showing up to your child's parent-teacher conference, showing up to your child's IEP meeting, obviously those types of things are the first step. If you have a child who does have special education services and gets specialized services, showing up to any meetings that are scheduled for your child would be the very first step to being involved. They seem like really obvious things, but there are parents who don't regularly show up to meetings or who don't respond to notes and things like that. The more you respond to those regular communications that your teacher has, whether it be if they send a note home and they want to reply, if you can make a point to respond right away, then that is so helpful to them and they will remember you. The more you communicate with your child's teacher and other professionals that work with your child, the more they'll have you on their radar and that makes it easier for them to remember all the things that are important about your child. Teachers work really hard to individualize their lessons so that they can accommodate all the different needs in their classrooms, but it does get hard to manage all of those different things. So the more they have additional things prompting them to think about that specific child, even if it's just emails from you, just touching base, that's going to help them to have those things top of mind, and it's going to make it easier for them to give your child what they need. And also, it makes their lives easier, which they will definitely appreciate. And the more that you can take care of them and make their lives easier, the more they're going to be able to be there to show up for your child. And finally, with being involved, Beyond the basic things like checking in every once in a while, even if it's just once a quarter or once every month or so via email beyond the parent-teacher conferences, it is really helpful if you get involved with other volunteering opportunities with your child's class. So even if you just do it once a year, twice a year, even if you just join the PTO and go to a couple committee meetings and sign up for a couple volunteering events. That type of thing is so helpful to the school. All of those things, all of those PTO events, those are all volunteer. And many times, and I know from being involved in the PTO, that it can be hard to get volunteers. A lot of times it's the same people over and over again. So even if you just did a couple things a year where you were contributing your time to support your child's school, 
that can make a big difference. And being involved in the PTO can also give you some other ideas about how you can be involved and support your child's school. So that's my third recommendation is be involved. I know it's so obvious, but there are some specific actions there. So obviously show up to any meetings that are scheduled for your child, have regular communication between those meetings, and then do things like PTO, even if it's just a couple times a year that you volunteer your time or show up to a meeting to learn about how you can support your child's school, all of that will go a long way. So I know that a lot of the information that I share on this show is about taking care of your kids, but one of the most powerful ways that you can take care of your kids is to take care of the people who take care of your kids. So one of those people being yourself and your partner, if you are raising your child with a partner, and then Obviously, the focus of this episode, which would be any of those professionals like teachers and therapists and coaches and administrators that are supporting your child. Remember to take care of them. Remember to thank them regularly, genuinely thank them, not just a sign off in an email. Share your child's wins with them so that they can celebrate with you and so that they can know that what they are doing is making a difference so that they can do more of it. And then finally, be involved, even if it's just a couple times a year, find ways that you can be involved and support them and support your child's school. So this is a good place to wrap up. Thank you so much for listening. Remember that if you have a hard time remembering to do these specific tips that I'm recommending, because it's very easy to forget to do these things because your life gets crazy and busy, then I highly recommend that you check out my free parent guide that walks through the eight executive functions. Executive functioning skills are what helps you to be organized and focused and get things done. So for example, remembering to check in with your child's teacher every quarter, that might be something that could be easy to forget. It's something that I often forget to do. So I use my executive functioning skills to create some kind of a planning system so that I remember what I need to do every day. But of course, the first step in learning how to build executive functioning skills is to understand what they are, whether you are working on being more organized yourself, which is super important, or whether it be that you want to support your kids in building their own executive functioning skills. If you have a child who has a hard time to keep their things organized, to do tasks that require multiple steps, and just overall be independent, be on time, meet deadlines, and self-regulate. I highly recommend that you check out my free parent guide. Just go to drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash parent guide, and you'll be able to sign up. You'll want to make sure that you check your inbox and confirm your subscription to my mailing list. Once you do that, the guide will automatically be sent to you. You'll be added to my mailing list, and you'll be the first to know when podcast episodes air. Again, just go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash parent guide to sign up for that free guide. Before we wrap up, remember it helps us so much if you leave us a rating and review. 
Just go into Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts and search for Are They 18 Yet? And you'll be able to find a tab that will give you a place where you can leave a rating and review. If you leave us a five-star review, this really helps us to get this information into the hands of people who need it. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. So now we will wrap up episode 21. I look forward to seeing you in episode 22. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com backslash BE.